everybody. This is Mark Graven from Kinexus. I'm the VP of Improvement and Innovation Services. And I'd like to welcome all of you to today's webinar titled Effective Collaboration Across Organizations and Across Industries. So our presenters today are going to be Teresa Hay McMahon. She is the Executive Director of the Iowa Lean Consortium. And she's joined by Stephanie Hill, who is the Corporate CI Continuous Improvement Manager at Craig Tool. They are uh, a member of the Iowa Lean Consortium. This topic of collaboration is, of course, something that's um, very important to us at Kinexus. We, we believe strongly in the power of collaboration. And we're going to be learning today about um, collaboration and, and benchmarking and networking. Um, I've known uh, Teresa and the Iowa Lean Consortium for, for many years now. I've had the opportunity to go out there to Iowa and participate in some of their events. They have a very robust, strong organization there. And, and Teresa became executive director of the ILC in February 2015. Prior to her service in that role, she was founder and first president of the ILC Board of Directors. She served in Iowa state government for 25 years, including as the deputy director of the Iowa Department of Economic Development and as performance results director of the Iowa Department of Management. Teresa was responsible for performance management in the executive branch of Iowa State Government, including implementing lean, enterprise strategic planning, performance audits, and organizational development. She's an alumna of the Lean Enterprise Systems Design Institute at the University of Tennessee Center for Executive Education. She is, and these are her words, uh, a recovering lawyer with a JD from the Catholic University of America Columbus School of Law and a BS from Creighton University. And on a personal note, in her spare time, Teresa enjoys reading, being outdoors, and a good cup of coffee. And I bet you can combine um, all three of those uh, at times if the weather cooperates. Um, Stephanie Hill has over 16 years of experience applying continuous improvement in the manufacturing, insurance, retail, and health industries. As the Corporate Continuous Improvement Manager for Craig Tool in Huxley, Iowa, Stephanie develops the CI strategy, creates and implements training and engagement programs, and leads initiatives to deliver company-wide results. Her prior work experience includes Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, Maytag, and Sherwin-Williams. Stephanie has a Master Black Belt certification through Maytag, a Master's degree in Public Health from Des Moines University, and a Bachelor's degree in Chemistry from Kenyon College. She resides in Grimes, Iowa with her husband and two sons, and in her spare time, she enjoys dancing, traveling, going to the movies, and helping her husband run his body piercing shop. Um, so with that, I will hand things over to the two of you. Thanks for uh, being here and presenting today. Thank you, Mark. It's a real pleasure to join you today. We're going to tell you briefly who the ILC is, just to familiarize our attendees that don't know the consortium. Then we'll talk about the difference between networking, benchmarking, and collaborating. I help everyone understand why collaboration is really critical to continuous improvement. Identify some ways to increase collaboration in order to achieve goals. And then really talk about how the Iowa Lean Consortium brings together lean practitioners from every sector of the economy. Of course, as you mentioned, there'll be time for any questions at the end of our session today. The consortium is a nonprofit that has uh, been 
active now for the last seven years. Really critical thing there is that we are member driven. So we very much rely on our members, uh, which are about 120 organizations, to tell us what is it that they need in order to uh, better understand how to develop a lean culture, how to really work on developing that continuous improvement culture. So since 2010, we have been uh, working, uh, driving those competitive performance improvements by expanding lean culture and sharing lessons learned. And you'll see as you look at our mission statement that we really today are aspiring to be a national leader, uh, not just around uh, lean per se, but really the entire culture of operational excellence. We do that by connecting our members through learning and networking opportunities. So the, the why of why the Iowa Lean Consortium exists is that we are never satisfied with the status quo. Uh, and that's a pretty simple thing that if you are an individual or an organization that feels the same, uh, then we are the uh, organization for you. Uh, again, we do that by being a connector, not a provider. So we really help bring together our members uh, with those learning opportunities, um, as I mentioned, both through networking and uh, various learning opportunities or events. We have a nine-member board that represents uh, all the sectors that we serve. Our core values, I really just want to mention uh, in particular, uh, the integrity and trust piece here, time and again, we have seen uh, organizations that allow competitors into their place of uh, business or work. And that is something that we don't see often enough, I think, in many uh, organizations. It's one of the things that really provides a lot of the strength uh, to the ILC is the fact that we are able to bring together organizations uh, not only with great diversity, but even those that uh, are in fact competitors and they learn that they can trust each other, they can learn from each other, uh, and that is uh, what makes them so strong. The other one that I really want to mention here is our cross-sector participation. Uh, one of the things that the ILC has focused on from the very beginning is that we represent organizations from every sector of the economy. So we have manufacturing members, uh, those who are in the service and transaction field, we have healthcare, education, and government. Uh, and people very quickly learned that no matter what sector you work in or no matter the seeming differences between those types of businesses and organizations. In fact, as we all know, developing culture comes down to working with people. And people, it really doesn't matter uh, the particulars of what they do. Uh, it, they all experience the same types of uh, things in going through continuous improvement. We offer all types of uh, learning opportunities. Uh, so. As we all know, in order for a lean journey to be successful and sustainable, it requires the entire organization to work together. Of course, it starts with senior leaders showing their belief and commitment to the process, 
It includes managers who reinforce and live those lean principles every day, and then the lean practitioners who understand how to effectively implement the appropriate uh, lean tool. So we really work to provide learning opportunities that approach all of those, uh, those various levels. Uh, we have some of our members who have been on their lean continuous improvement journey for 20 plus years and those who are just beginning. Uh, we also design experiences for frontline managers to the executives. What we find is that members really feel a sense of camaraderie knowing that they're not alone through every step of this lean journey. Uh, so it can be both exciting uh, and rewarding for uh, their members uh, and their companies alike. I'm going to turn it over to Stephanie now, and she is going to talk about uh, the, some specifics around networking, benchmarking, and collaborating. Yep, thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm going to talk now more specifically about collaboration and um, I guess in general about collaboration and then I'm going to circle back at the end and bring bring together what Teresa shared about the Iowa Lean Consortium and give some specific examples about how I have used the ILC to grow my networking and therefore improve my collaboration. So first I'm going to focus on these three great buzzwords that we hear in business because um, who doesn't love buzzwords? So networking, benchmarking, and collaborating. The three of those can get a little bit confused, so I want to talk about the distinction, uh, I guess what they have in common and what sets them apart from one another. So we start with networking, and if you notice the graphic on your left, there's some icons at the top that you may recognize if you've ever used Facebook or Twitter, uh, or I don't even know what that other one is, but it seems like my kids are always using something new to network. Um, so networking is really around exchanging information with someone else, getting to know them, and often the intent is for a business purpose. That business purpose is not necessarily a short-term purpose. It's really something that you may have in terms of your career, career path going forward. So for instance, this past week I collected about five business cards from events that I went to. And I've kind of, I've, I've put them into LinkedIn, but I've kind of got them in my back pocket because I think one day I may want to reach out to them for some specific business purpose at that time. Benchmarking is where I would hold a company or a business, I guess, up as a standard and I would want to compare myself against them. So um, an example that I'll share later is that we did some benchmarking with a company who's really strong with using Kinexus. So we worked with that company in order to figure out how we could get better and how we could use it in a way that would work for us. And then finally, the topic for today around collaborating is working together toward, toward a goal. So there's a definite goal. There's something that you absolutely want to get out of that interaction. Now, all three of these involve relationship building. And all three of these involve relationship building that is rapid and it, and it really needs to promote openness. Uh, I went to a seminar, I was telling Tracy about this, or Teresa, sorry, <laughs> probably happens all the time, about this uh, right before the call. Uh, I went to a seminar yesterday where Stacey Hanke, H-A-N-K-E, was um, teaching from her book called Influence Redefined. And 
a lot of what she shared had to do with how we use our body language and how we speak with people in order to develop, uh, develop trust in a really fast manner. So why is trust so important? When we're collaborating with others, it's really key that we feel open with them and that we can have an exchange that involves becoming vulnerable and sharing our struggles. I can hear about people's successes all day, but the thing that helps me the most is if I understand what challenges and struggles they've overcome. And that helps me when I go back to my own workplace, I can try to either avoid those struggles or put some measures in place so that if and when I do face those same challenges, I have, I have an action plan. I have something that I can do about it. So I think that's really beneficial to do. Well, collaboration itself is not rocket science, I don't think. Um, but I think thinking about it in terms of continuous improvement, that's a little bit different. So I use these graphics um, on this slide quite a bit when I teach continuous improvement. So the term continuous, I'm sure we've all heard this, is cyclic, ongoing. So the graphic on the left at the bottom refers to that. When we finish or complete a project, we might go back to it to see how we can continue to make improvements, or we might find something else where we can adopt what we've done. So that's the cyclic part of it. When you look on the right, uh, it's a graphic I use when training because really making an improvement is about bridging a gap. So if we think about the center where it says target performance, let's say a company wants to have $50 million in revenue and they need to have $50 million in order to stay competitive. Their current performance might only be $25 million. Well, they clearly have a gap there of $25 million that they're going to need to resolve somehow. So that poses a problem for them because they're not performing where they need to be. Now, let's say that that same company looks out into the future and says, we want to be bigger, we want to be better. We want to get to $100 million for their new performance target. Well, then that becomes a new opportunity for them for growth. And so that is still a gap. It's just more of an opportunity for them. We can think of that same graphic in terms of personal development. So in this slide on the right, I've got an image at the center of the target performance. This, this college student, I'll just say, he wants to be able to do his math problems and do them well. Maybe the reality for him is that he's at the bottom, and maybe he feels confused when he looks at these math problems. So he definitely has a problem to solve there. He needs to get good enough so that he can do his math problems successfully. Now let's say the same college student has aspirations of becoming an expert. He wants to be so good at it that he feels like he can teach his math problems. So that's an opportunity for him and a way that he can personally develop and grow so he can get better. So when we think about those particular gaps, there's a lot of ways that we can, we can bridge that. So some common ones that we hear about, classes, webinars like these, doing some hands-on work at workshops, reading books. Now there's so many online resources that you can leverage, um, so that's another opportunity. Trial and error, I think, is a great one if used well. So trial and error essentially is taking your own experiences from the past and thinking through how did it go. It really requires some reflection and then applying that to the future so that you can get better and better as you go. 
And then finally, the one that we're talking most about today is collaborating. Collaborating, from my own experience, is probably the least discussed in terms of bridging personal gaps. And yet it's so important. It's probably the least expensive of all of those that we have listed on here. And it's also the longest term improvement opportunity that you can use. What I mean by that is if we take a class, we learn a skill, we get some knowledge, and if we're doing it right, we would go back to our own environment and we would apply that. And that's kind of the end of that experience. Now, if we collaborate, we find somebody that we're working with to achieve a goal. And then maybe a little bit down the road, we go back to those same people and we say, you know, I have something to offer you, or maybe we have a new goal that we have. Maybe they can connect us with somebody else. So collaborating is kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. So whenever I'm coaching people on continuous improvement, I start by asking them to articulate their problem or their opportunity. So some examples we have here is, this one's pretty close to home. We want to achieve a 75% participation rate of our workforce in continuous improvement events or projects. We're currently at 50%. So in that case, when I reach out to somebody to collaborate, I might find somebody who has really high engagement of their workforce. And I might not just seek people that have high engagement and continuous improvement. I might look at any type of engagement of workforce as somebody I might want to work with in order to get my numbers better. The second one, I want to develop and present three new ideas each quarter to the executive team. I submitted one per quarter in the past year. Well, this person obviously is has a gap of two ideas per quarter. So they might do a couple of things. They might find a company who's very innovative and see how that company promotes innovation. They may also seek individuals who they find to be really confident and dynamic in speaking because maybe something that prevents them from sharing ideas is their apprehension in doing presentations. So they might collaborate with a few different people in order to try to achieve their goal. So what happens if people can't see their opportunity? Because that's true, sometimes we can't always see what our opportunities are. And that's what you're going for, that's what you're going to try to achieve. So the first thing, again, like a continuous improvement project, is we might reach out and get the voice of the customer. So finding people you trust to help you to be able to see where your gaps are um, and your opportunities to get better that's something that you can do and you can leverage in order to get started. Another thing is that you can just benchmark successful industries. So maybe you don't necessarily go out there thinking that you have a problem to solve, but maybe you just know some companies are doing certain things really well. So if you just get to know some of the people there and get to learn about those businesses, that might open your eyes to some opportunities that you have as well, which would start you on your path to collaborating. One note that I have there is do not limit yourself to your own industry. Um, one thing I think of is, I'm pretty sure it was 2020, several years ago, uh, it was talking about, it's called hospital tourism. And they were sharing about how a hospital in India had benchmarked some hotels in the United States in terms of how they were going to provide their service to their patients. So then we had people traveling from the US to India and they were being treated like they were just 
a guest in a penthouse at the um, at the hospital, and then they showed some videos that made me want to leave right then and there uh, because they were on a beach and having people serve them drinks while they were recovering from a hip replacement. Uh, so they definitely went outside their industry. When I worked with a call center before, we actually um, worked with a hospital that was doing triage and they were making continuous improvements on their triage because um, in the emergency room, we kind of viewed it like a call center where we needed to take some urgent phone calls, that was the way we perceived them as urgent phone calls, and how we would get them to the right people at the right time. So that often gives you some creative ideas. So once you've identified your problem to solve or your gap to bridge, then you can start connecting. So reaching out to old colleagues is a great start. Um, the last Iowa Lean Consortium, uh, the fall conference that I went to, I ran into about eight of my old coworkers from former companies, um, hadn't seen them in years, and got so many, so many contacts that way um, that I can reach out to going forward. Um, I recently organized my 25th class reunion, hadn't seen these people in years, uh, and so my, my husband got to talking with one of them who lives in Atlanta now and found out that they're both really passionate about body piercing regulations in their states. And so they've got a connection now that they probably wouldn't have had had they not been able to connect that way. Um, social media search, that, that's the easiest thing to do nowadays. Um, we have LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is a great one, um, but you can essentially just do a keyword search. And that not only um, gives you local contacts that you can make, but you can find people internationally who can help you with a problem that you're trying to solve. Um, next one is talk to everyone you know and ask better questions. Um, I have a good friend named Lori, and our running joke is that uh, she knows everyone in the world because everywhere we go, somebody somehow tells us that they know Lori. So Lori's response to that is that she doesn't know everyone. She just knows the questions to ask. So she educated us about how we talk with people and how we get to know their backgrounds, the struggles they're going through, some successes they're feeling. And as you get to talking with them, you find that maybe those people can be helpful with you in a problem that you're trying to solve. The other thing is that part of all of this really is to also think about what you personally have to offer to other people. Collaboration is a two-way street and each one of us has strengths that we can share with other people. I know that people sometimes find a hard, hard time expressing their strengths and really evaluating that. So kind of like voice of the customer that I talked about before, it might be good to ask some other people what they view your strengths as. And then make sure you can really articulate, articulate that to other people and bring that with you. So invite someone to coffee who seems to know about your topic. Um, coffee, lunch, whatever the case is. I feel like that's probably my, my weakest point in terms of collaboration, but it's probably the most important thing to do. If you collect a bunch of business cards, that's fantastic, but if you put them in your drawer, it doesn't serve any purpose at all. So taking the step to ask somebody to have coffee with you, there's a reason that you got their business card. They expressed some level of, of interest in something that you do or vice versa, and so it's definitely worth it to extend that conversation and see where that can lead you. Next one is contact authors. Especially in the world that we're living in today, this is 
so easy to do and it's so welcome. So many people that I know who have written books and have given presentations genuinely want their audience to reach out to them. They're there to help, they're there to teach, and that teaching goes beyond that one conversation they might have with you that day or that book that they've written. So go ahead and reach out to them. And then finally, search local and national groups focused on your topic. Um, this can be word of mouth. Um, I've, I've used Meetup to find people in the area. Uh, I'm in probably five different groups currently, and each one of them, you know, that whether they're national, local, each one of them serves a different purpose for me and for some gaps that I would like to close. So I would suggest that if you are going to search these groups, get a variety so that you're not kind of sticking with the same thing each time. If you're always staying within your industry, that's going to limit your thinking and what you can achieve. So I would encourage you to go beyond that. Finally, it says be open to what you might learn. Every time that I sit with a group of people, especially whom I haven't met before, I take away at least one thing that I can bring back and apply to what I do day to day. So now I'm going to talk about leveraging ILC. Um, and to do that, I'm going to start just by sharing with you a little bit more about Craig Tool. Um, Craig Tool is located in central Iowa, at Huxley, Iowa, a very rural, rural area. There are 200 employees and we are a manufacturing company, manufacturing products for the woodworking field. So I share that with you because I want you to think about that in, in the context of each of these um, people that I've met and the industries that they're in to think through the diversity about how our exchanges have gone. So the first one is speaking at events. Um, so Gary Nestebe happened to be in the audience one time when I was speaking at an ILC event. Gary is with the Iowa Quality Center and he came up to me afterwards and said he wanted to talk to me further. So I invited Gary to come visit me at Craig, and he talked to me quite a bit about Baldridge. He's very passionate about that. So we started working together thinking through Baldridge. Um, then the other thing is that I then put my employee, Anne, through the Iowa Quality Center's um, Greenbelt training. So now Gary is actually her mentor through that program, um, so he and I still remain very much in touch. Attending presentations, um, we have national speakers come and do presentations who are wonderful. And a few people from uh, work here saw Jean Cunningham present on lean accounting. As they heard her, they realized we might have an opportunity there. So we invited Jean to come in for a couple of days and she learned about our company and tried to give us some advice that would help us in order to get to our journey of, of getting to lean accounting. We have in-house events that we can offer through the ILC. So when we have continuous improvement events, we will hold a seat or two open and post it on the calendar for the Iowa Lean Consortium. We had a couple of people take us up on that offer, Pam Pothoven from the University of Iowa Community Credit Union and Jeff Pike from Hubble Realty. And I think I ended up learning so much from both of these people, even though they thought they were gonna do all of the learning by watching our events. Uh, Pam was the first person who brought, who opened my eyes to Kinexus software, so we're grateful for that. And then Jeff uh, gave me all sorts of great reading, reading materials, and he also gave me um, his mind map, I think he called it, of how he sets his continuous improvement strategy. And I actually have that sitting on my desk right now because I think through that as I talk about my strategy here at Craig. Um, 
Many of the companies will open, them, open up for others to come and take a tour through the ILC. I recently went to a tour at Vermeer. Um, they do manufacturing. And uh, Gary Kopik, I think I say it. Yeah, Gary Kopik was doing the tour. And we have since reached out to him because they do a lot of automation um, in their manufacturing. And so our vice president of operations has been in contact with Gary to learn more about that. And I also met Nikki Wallace from Aerotech uh, recruiting and staffing while I was there. Um, Nikki has just moved in her recruiting position from more of an engineering recruiting role to a continuous improvement recruiting role. And so I invited her and some of her colleagues here to Craig and I gave them some basic um, training, I guess, on some of the fundamentals for continuous improvement. Um, so that's helped her so she can be more um, knowledgeable when she works with her clients and does recruiting. All right, then we have our members forum. We use um, Slack, an, an application called Slack, and this is a way for our, it's kind of like social media, and so our members can communicate back and forth through discussion groups that way. Um, Anne, my employee, she reached out through Slack and said, I'm looking for somebody who uses Kinexus in addition to Pam. She'd already been working with Pam. And so we found out that Mary Greeley is very big into using Kinexus. They've been using them for years. So um, Ron invited us, Ron Smith invited us to come and visit and learn about not just Kinexus, but how they incorporate their continuous improvement program with Kinexus. So we brought 10 of our employees that way. Um, and so that was really valuable for us. So not only have we started using Kinexus, we've also started thinking through how we can um, do more of the activities that they've done from a continuous improvement standpoint. Uh, Steve Forbes also reached out to me from Iowa Prison Industries. He was looking for some help with training. Um, and I, I was really confused about this when I heard about Iowa Prison Industries. I had no idea what they did. Um, but I was really impressed with um, how much that they manufacture and provide to um, state and nonprofit um, agencies throughout the, throughout the state. So um, we talked about training and we talked about some, some efforts that he can do where he's at. And then Steve also ended up hosting a Lean Coffee, which brings me to the next category. So Lean Coffees were actually started in 2009 um, by Jim Benson and Jeremy Lightsmith. Um, it started in Seattle, and they're a way for groups of us to get together and talk through problems that we want to solve in continuous improvement. Um, they're really fun, they're really great discussions, and in those Lean Coffees, um, I met Matt Hines and Wade Sherman. Um, they're from Tension Corporation. Tension is a business that makes envelopes, I don't know if they make other things. I know they make envelopes. Um, and so, you know, Matt was at a Lean Coffee that was hosted by 3E, a company here, and then Wade was at one hosted by Iowa Prison Industries. So Matt and I got to talking about um, scheduling and how we work through a three-shift operation here and how we best leverage um, the time that the, the different shifts cross over with one another. And then um, Wade and I were talking about how we um, use continuous improvement in the office setting. And so both Matt and Wade are going to be coming here um, next month to learn more about both of those things um, from myself and from our Value Street Manager. And of course, I mentioned the Iowa Lean um, 
Consortium Fall Conference that's coming up in two weeks. Yes, October 9th and 10th. Yep, and so that's always a great opportunity, two and a half days, for people to network and collaborate. And before you go on, Stephanie, I just want to mention, you, you mentioned that Lean Coffee started in 2009 uh, with uh, Jim Benson and his colleague. Uh, we began, we the ILC, began to run Lean Coffees uh, initially in Des Moines, our largest metro area, in uh, 2016. And we have uh, today have lean, five Lean Coffees within the state of Iowa as well as uh, on, in Omaha where we have a number of members. So every month there are at least six opportunities around uh, the area where you can, where, where ILC members come together to learn from each other, mm -hmm. something that has really grown for us and uh, is so simple. And it just, as you shared, uh, you never know where a conversation with a number, another member mm -hmm. is going to take you and, and what you're going to learn about there. Yeah, and um, at reading about why they started it, I guess they, they were taking out a lot of the bureaucracy and administration that goes around getting people together and getting, getting them talking about things. And so um, kind of likewise for the ILC, we don't have, I mean, we don't do a lot of the administration of those. Those are run by people within those areas. Um, we just kind of give them a basic format and then they just run with it. Um, and it's really been filling a gap for us because um, while webinars and online and all of those kinds of opportunities are great for people who are remote, um, nothing beats face-to-face -face interaction. And so if, if we have a lot of events that are in the Des Moines, Iowa area, well, it's great for the folks who are there, but if they live in um, northeast Iowa, they may not be able to make it down for those events, but they may be able to host their own lean coffee in that area, and that can really help us to get more of the state covered and have more face-to-face -face interactions. That's right. As a matter of fact, the seventh uh, ILC lean coffee is brewing, so to <laughs> speak, uh, in northeast Iowa. So we're going to take care of the people that live up there as well. Fantastic. Okay, so that brings us to our conclusion slide. Um, I just want to say that I recognize that collaboration is an ongoing opportunity for all of us. Um, and the reason for that is because of all that it requires. Um, it requires energy and discipline. And I say that because we all have so many fires that we're trying to put out or all of these things that are on our agenda that we need to get done. And typically, you don't see collaboration on your list of to-dos. So it really takes an effort to put that at the forefront of our priorities and really discipline ourselves to, to take action there. It takes humility and self-reflection. Um, it's, you know, it's easy to go along through life thinking that we're doing a great job and we can't get any better, um, but that's probably not realistic. So being able to step back, look at ourselves, look at our business and our needs, and then voice that to other people, that definitely takes some humility. And then finally, selflessness. Um, I mentioned before, you know, it's great to step back and, and look at our strengths and think about how we can share that with others. Um, it, collaboration is about giving to other people, so it definitely takes some selflessness. So I encourage you to step back, reflect, and build and leverage your network. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa and Stephanie. Um, appreciate you sharing 
little bit about um, the great work that's going on in Iowa, and um, we'll be able to delve into this more during the Q&A here. I would encourage people to go ahead and continue submitting questions. Um, while you're doing so, we'll let um, Stephanie and, and Teresa have a sip of coffee, and we'll do some announcements here real quick. We have upcoming webinars to announce, um, different webinar series that Greg Jacobson and I have been doing. It's um, a little bit more uh, free-form video chat um, conversation where we answer questions or we encourage people, ask us anything. Most of the questions are about continuous improvement and lean and culture change and things like that. So we do that for half an hour. Uh, we're going to do that again on October 17th. That's going to be episode 16. You can register, and there's a form where you can submit questions at kinexus.com slash webinars. And I would also point you to our YouTube channel where you can find um, the past discussions. We have some uh, upcoming presentation webinars, and uh, you'll be able to register for those at kinexus.com slash webinars. On October 26th, Jeff Roussel, our VP of Sales, from Kinexus is going to be doing a presentation giving, uh, uh, titled The Why, How, and What of Continuous Improvement. November 14th, we are going to have a presentation webinar. I believe the theme is going to be strategy deployment, looking at lean, um, goal setting, connecting, uh, improvement work to results, connecting the organization, I believe is going to be the theme. We're going to be joined by uh, Craig Veracruz and Joanna Omi from uh, Rona Consulting. Um, Joanna, uh, I know, is a, a former healthcare executive. Uh, Rona Consulting does um, a lot of, if not all, of their work in healthcare. But I think the topics will hopefully be of interest to everybody. Regardless of industry, we can um, learn, benchmark, collaborate uh, across industries, even through that webinar. And then it's not on the slide. But November 29th, uh, we're going to be joined by Dr. John Toussaint from uh, an organization called Catalysis. Um, John was formerly the CEO of the ThetaCare Health System in Wisconsin. He's going to be joined by Paul Peja. They're going to be talking about um, collaboration from the perspective of healthcare organizations. Uh, as I said at the beginning, collaboration is a very important theme uh, for us. And they're going to be talking about collaboration uh, through an organization called the Healthcare Value Network. So I would encourage you to look that up online if uh, that's of interest. They are an example. They, they sponsor, for example, collaboration, networking, uh, benchmarking um, with manufacturing companies so healthcare can learn from them. We have, of course, our webinar library. If you go to kinexus.com slash webinars, on the right-hand side, you'll see a link to our continuous improvement webinars on demand area. You'll see our blog. We actually have two blogs, one about continuous improvement in general and one that's uh, targeted more for our customers. But you're welcome. Everybody can read either of those blogs. And of course, we have the, the podcast, kinexus.com slash podcast. The audio recording of this webinar will be part of that podcast feed. In fact, the podcast started because we had um, an attendee in the webinars who suggested that we post the audio as a podcast so they could revisit and re-listen um, to the content. So we've built upon that. There's all sorts of uh, different types of podcasts. 
and I would encourage you to check that out. So we have time for Q&A. You can see um, Teresa and Stephanie's contact info there if you would like to reach out um, to them separately. I would encourage you to go to the Iowa Lean Consortium website at iowalean.org. We will get into Q&A. Um, for Teresa or Stephanie, do you, do you have any examples or what are your thoughts on a company bringing in outsiders to come participate and be a collaborator on a Kaizen event? Have you seen anybody do this? I'll, I'll speak first. And yes, I have seen it. And inevitably, uh, they recognize tremendous value from that. It can be sometimes that we get so close to our own things, it is difficult to see some of what we do. And of course, bringing in that fresh perspective really helps individuals be able to say, well, why do you do it that way? And I noticed this, and uh, it's that uh, thing that, you know, we all walk by a hundred times a day, and so we don't even see it anymore. And someone else comes, and it, of course, immediately uh, jumps out at them. So I, I know that there are our members that take advantage of that and recognize that value. Yeah. And I was going to say it, it also brought to light our uh, gap that we had in our non-compete, <laughs> our non-disclosure, I think, uh, forms that we had. So we were bringing in some people for that and uh, realized we needed to get that in order. Um, but yeah, if, you're, if you were worried about um, the, the private information or confidentiality of it, um, I would say, you know, you probably have processes in place in your own location for that. Um, the benefit that you get from it, though, is fantastic. I think in every event that you, sh you do, you should have somebody, if it's, if it's not the facilitator, then somebody who's in the group who knows very little about the process because they can ask the great questions about why they can see it, like Teresa said, through a lens that, you know, isn't seeing it every single day. I think that's extremely valuable. Got a question here from uh, Pierre who asked, one of my favorite topics is about Kaizen. How do you select the right project environment for organizing a Kaizen event? So I don't know if the, the question there, and Pierre, maybe you can follow up, um, is, is the question about choosing which, uh, which events to do, or what, what do you think are, uh, you know, how would you lay the groundwork? What, what is a good environment where a Kaizen event can be successful? Oh, so so I I guess we do a few different things. Um, I look at a lot of continuous improvement efforts as kind of both a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. And so um, top-down here at Craig, we have been doing a great deal with standardizing our cross-functional processes. So things that start with, you know, start outside of our walls and end outside of our walls. Um, and within that, we try to align the activities from all the departments and, and how we communicate all of that together. When we do that, we find that there are gaps, obviously. And so we then launch Kaizen events, um, CI events, to resolve those gaps. So that's kind of coming from the top down. We also have uh, bottom up, where people are encountering problems day in and day out and they really can't get it solved unless they get the right people in the room to tackle it and, and go after it. And so, um, you know, in, in that case, I say they should just go for it. Um, the, 
The only time I would say not to is if there are capacity or resource constraints that are not allowing them to do that for whatever reason. Um, and in that case, just like any other project, I would simply say to prioritize it um, and, and kind of put it against what other efforts you have going on. Um, but the, the beauty of Kaizen events is that it is very grassroots. Um, it should be it should be the people involved who are experiencing a problem and who have a vested interest in getting it to, to get better. So I would, I would definitely encourage that to happen. Yeah, I would say if you're an organization that is just starting out and looking at how to begin with Kaizen events, for example, of course, uh, there is always the low-hanging fruit, and you do want to start with something that is causing lots of pain, you want to make a selection, however, that is it's doable. So you don't start with the thing that, oh, it's going to take us uh, three years to make this change, but that's not where we begin. We're going to want to begin with a low-hanging fruit that's causing people pain and is something that we can actually get our arms around. Having come from state government, as you mentioned, Mark, uh, couple of things. One, of course, we used to joke that our fruit was actually laying on the ground rotting, uh, so it was particularly in need of attention. Uh, the other thing is that we had so many skeptics, of course, because you just don't understand this is government. It's different, uh, despite the fact, of course, that it's actually people working in these processes. And so those first initial events were really about proof of concept. We just had to prove to people that, yes, this could work in our environment, no matter what that might be. So being an Iowa farm kid, I, I think of it a lot, uh, think of it frequently as we drop a tennis ball in a can of paint and we throw it on the side of the barn and it makes a big splash of color and people say, oh, cool, that's really neat, that worked, I like that. And so you begin to uh, do more and more events. And at some point, you realize, I am never going to get the side of this barn painted throwing a tennis ball at it. And so once you have a little maturity, a little experience, then we would look to having a much more strategic approach. So we would, as similar to what Stephanie described, we want to then take that step back and begin to more strategically select which Kaizen uh, which processes we're going to put through a Kaizen event. Mm -hmm. And and I'm a, I'm a big fan of events, um, but I also am a fan of the quote that says, if all you have is hammer, everything looks like a nail, and not everything is a nail. Absolutely. So um, if, you know, if that's, if that's what you know at this point, then absolutely go for doing some events because they're wonderful. Um, I, but I would encourage you to add other tools and approaches to helping people with the problems that they're trying to solve. Um, some things can, you know, go through like an A3 or a, you know, problem-solving process that's fairly straightforward and, and uh, quick, I guess. And then other things could use an event. Other things need a longer-term project to tackle it. Um, so, you know, so make sure that you're not just holding a hammer. Thanks, Stephanie. You, you made the point. I was about to add on that similar point about not everything needs to be an event, but you, you said that, um, <laughs> you beat me to it. You said that very well. Uh, and Pierre says, thank you for uh, the clear answers. I think we got the gist of it. So thank you, Pierre, for the question. Uh, question from Jason. What tips would ILC recommend 
for other states to get started on their own uh, consortium. I guess one, one other well, question I would, I would add in first, how many other states have a similar lean consortium group? I know Michigan does. Absolutely, Michigan does. Uh, Maryland, world-class consortia. Um, and then there are you know, somewhat similar efforts uh, here and there around the country. Uh, some of the older, very successful consortiums like the Northwest High Performance Excellence Consortium in the Portland, Oregon area uh, early on, uh, for much of their history, they were strictly manufacturers. Today, they've begun uh, to have membership that is uh, beyond manufacturing. So there are some good examples out there around the country, and I actually get this question a lot. Uh, we here in Iowa, you know, we did some uh, we did some voice of the customer survey. We contacted organizations from all areas and all types of uh, industries and you know, asked them were they doing uh, lean or continuous improvement? Uh, how did they go about get their training? Uh, would they be interested in having opportunities for learning made available in the state? Things like that. So we did, uh, we did that kind of research. We also did benchmarking against two long long-term successful consortiums to begin to get an idea, how did they work, uh, that type of thing. And actually, we ultimately used a Design for Lean Sigma event in order to create the consortium, because we thought if we were going to create a lean organization, we should use a lean tool to do it. So that was, uh, that was how we approached things um, here in Iowa. And I'm always happy to share um, any of our, uh, you know, our original charter or any of the work that we did and, and talk in more detail about how we created the Iowa Consortium. A uh, follow-up question, I mean, following a you know, formal discipline designed for Lean Six Sigma process, was there anything that you think was surprising? Any, anything that changed the, the structure or, or any of the things that the ILC did? Well, of course, you know, we had these vague ideas in our head, and what that design event did was it really helped us distill those vague ideas into some concrete things. Okay, we're going to uh, we're going to define define our value proposition. We're going to identify what it is we think, based on those in the room as well as those that we have talked to what would they like to have as a learning opportunity? And so I wouldn't say that we had enough clarity necessarily that things really changed it coming out of that event. Yeah, that event was simply the catalyst for uh, our kickoff. Mm -hmm. I guess you know, one other follow-up question, or you know, I'll just add you know, some thoughts. Uh, you know, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we there's a number of us I, I've, I've helped lead uh, a much more informal group. There's no, uh, you know, official organization or anything, no official leaders, but, you know, a lean DFW group. And, you know, there, uh, it, well, I think one challenge we have maybe because it's, uh, it's you know, informal without a director or anyone leading it full time, uh, you know, it, it, there's sometimes a gap. I think people will say they want to do certain activities and then, uh, you know, life gets in the way or it just doesn't, 
pan out that way. Um, you know, so we, we have a, a LinkedIn group that's been more active than uh, the in-person meetups. But you know, I think, you know, I'm curious, in, in that design process, or maybe as you learned what worked over time, did, did you see some gaps between what people said they want and, and what they actually participate in? Or do, do you have any advice for us in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, perhaps? Well, I'm not sure. It can be, I think it is different when you're dealing with uh, a metropolitan area that's the size of Dallas-Fort Worth as uh, compared to the entire state of Iowa, which Iowa is a real hotbed of lean, but we are a small state. You know, we have three million in terms of population. And so I think part of what worked so well for us is that there was really a hunger and a need for these types of high quality, low cost learning opportunities for organizations. Uh, so we simply, yeah. uh, you know, we simply had to send people out of state typically for any significant training or learning opportunities. Uh, and so that's one of the things that, that we've offered. Again, it might be different when you're talking about uh, a large metropolitan area like DFW. So uh, I, you just have to find those people that uh, are really committed to putting on and offering such good learning opportunities that uh, people don't want to pass up the opportunity to take advantage of that. I was going to add that I think nowadays every single thing that you do with somebody's time needs to add value. Mm -hmm. So if somebody chooses to spend time with you, whether it's through face-to-face -face meetings or whatever the case is, they need to walk away feeling that they got value out of it and that they're going to get value the next time they have the interaction. So um, I just went to a networking meeting up in Minneapolis um, last week, I think it was, and it was my first time with that group, and I was impressed by how they did their introductions. Because they went around the room, the person stood up, you know, they said what their name was, what they did, why they were there, so basically what, what they were hoping to achieve through it, and then what they can either give to the other people in the room or what they would like to get from the other people in the room. And I think that was, I thought that was brilliant because um, it really makes it an individual experience to find out what adds value to the people um, and, and constantly having that at the forefront. Um, the other thing I would say is to make sure that you do what you say you, do what you, say you will do. Um, I think a lack of follow through tends to be a huge reason for failure um, from groups. And so, you know, doing the exact opposite is, is a recipe for success. Um, so yeah, I just think being able to demonstrate and, and show value and then be able to do that ongoing is, is the way to do it. Thanks. Um, can you elaborate, there's a question here about uh, lean coffee. I've heard of Lean Coffee, but not really sure what the format is. Can you, um, wonder the both of you explain that? I'm a huge fan of, of the Lean Coffee format. I, I know Jim Benson, and I've been part of Lean Coffee discussions, uh, and, and, and to me that adds value. I think it's a unique format. But could, could the two of you share some of your you know, experience, or look just a little bit more detail of how that works for the uninitiated? Sure. The way we run them here, is that it's 75 minutes and, and we happen to do them uh, early in the morning so that people can attend and then still get to their uh, office in a timely manner. Uh, so that 75 minutes 
it is uh, an agendaless meeting um, because the individuals that attend are the ones who actually create the agenda by identifying the top one, two, or three issues or questions or challenges that they want to discuss that day. They write each one of those things down on a post-it note. Uh, everyone sticks them up on a wall. We walk through what those are so that we make sure we understand what the question or issue that's being posed. And then everyone that's there gets two votes to say, here are the two things that I would most like to talk about this morning. Uh, whoever is running the Lean Coffee then begins to then just work through those, those topics, um, with starting with the highest vote getter. And one of the really unique things is that we do that, that discussion with a timer. So it can be two minutes or three minutes or five minutes. Uh, we typically do about three minutes, set the timer on our phone, uh, and begin that discussion around that topic. When the timer goes off, if people want to continue that discussion, they raise their hands. And if we have a majority of people, the attendees raise their hands, we simply restart the timer and we continue to talk. That discussion will either finish itself or a majority of people will leave their hands down, at which point we move to the next highest uh, vote-getting topic and work through that. So you typically cover a number of topics or questions, uh, gives everyone a chance to uh, participate. And again, they are the ones that have said through their voting, these are the things that we most want to take our time to talk about today. Okay, um, well, I think we are, so we're just about out of time. I'm trying to think if we can squeeze in. One other question, these are questions that are maybe not answered real quickly, but um, we'll maybe follow up with those questions via email. Um, I, I want to uh, really thank uh, both Teresa and Stephanie for joining us today, sharing some thoughts on uh, networking, benchmarking, especially on collaboration. There's a lot of great work going there, uh, going on there in Iowa, um, maybe do, do either of you have one other final thought that you would leave the audience with before we go? I would just say get out of your comfort zone. Um, don't get comfortable with the status quo. Reach out to other people. I couldn't possibly say that any better. Never be satisfied with the status quo. And um, even though, yeah, we shouldn't be satisfied with the status quo, I think this is a very good webinar today, so we'll We'll be satisfied with that, and on all fronts, look for opportunities for continuous improvement. So I want to thank everybody for being here with us today or for watching the recording. Uh, Teresa and Stephanie, thanks. Uh, thanks to both of you for being here and um, presenting today. Thank you very much on behalf of the entire team at Kinexus.